Thanks for joining us today with another podcast from New Hope Church. We hope that you enjoy what we have for you today and find it encouraging and uplifting. If you ever want to learn more information about New Hope Church, please visit us online at myhope.life. We'd love to get to know you. Have a wonderful day and God bless. cheaper here so uh cool so um all that stuff is coming and then i think i said this did i say this last week i don't maybe i didn't i posted on facebook i think it was this week actually i posted on facebook and i posted it into like a a minister's forum that i'm a part of uh, about uh, our chairs and stuff we needed some more chairs we have 40 chairs in here and uh, between both services, we regularly have more than 40 people. And so, um, and then sometimes it gets really cramped in here. So at the new place, we'll have close to 100 chairs in there. And so I needed 60 more chairs. And uh, I looked at the price and I was like, Monday, kind of like, oh, Lord, that's a lot of money um, for chairs. It was like almost $3,000. And I was like, oh, that's a lot of money. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to post it on Facebook. And so everything came in like more than enough came in for the chairs like these these different churches and stuff they contributed to it um there was some small churches like ours that contributed a hundred dollars there fifty dollars here um uh, some some people some ministers that i know some ministers that i have no idea who they are contributed and i just thought that was so cool that there's other people all across america that believe in what's happening here and i think that is so cool and so in under eight hours over $3,000 came in. I was blown away. So the chairs are paid for. Um, thank you, Jesus. I, I am so thankful for that. Um, but today I want to, it's Easter Sunday. And I talked a little bit last week about how sometimes Easter uh, becomes really commercialized. And, you know, it's like the big day. Like uh, I heard people describe Easter as the Super Bowl for church. And I was like, you know, it's kind of true. Like everyone's like, oh, what are we going to do for Easter? And I had people ask me this year, what are you guys doing for Easter? I was like, having church. Like, I mean, <laughs> it's kind of hard to do really much anything else. You know, like <laughs> there's only so much room in here. Like <laughs> there's only so much room upstairs and there's no yard to hide eggs in, whatever. But like, I started thinking about it and I was like, you know, like all those things that we like. I mean, we like it. We like to dress up, you know, like I don't normally wear a suit coat. But I am today, because I know my grandma, she'd get on me if I not. So last year, but one thing that's cool about this, all you guys that are here, this is our first Easter service with this church, because last year, Easter got canceled. <laughs> and uh, last year, we would have been at the uh, Seventh-day Adventist, and uh, it got canceled, and then we were at home. And I was live streaming, just live streaming. And it was just me and my wife trying to like figure out how to live stream in our basement and make things happen. Uh, Cindy and Russell might have came to church that day. Like they just wanted to come. And so they came and sat in our basement. And a couple weeks later, we started having people in our basement. We had like, I think it was 10 or 12 people come to our basement the very first Sunday we did it. People that I didn't know came to my basement. <laughs> come to my basement. I was like, I, what in the world? <laughs> um, some people who had never came into our church when we were like in person showed up in our basement. And I was like, dear Lord, what is going on? So we had people in our basement. We had church for a while in the basement and it was a lot of fun. Um, 
And then we, uh, then we got this place, and now we're moving again. So I'm thankful for what God is doing. He's doing great things. But you know what? All of that wouldn't be possible without what Jesus did on Calvary. I'm so thankful for what he did on Calvary. Because without, without that sacrifice, I couldn't have a relationship with him. And so today, my, my message, we've been kind of in a series talking about the promises of God. We talked about Abraham um, and his promise. We, we talked about the, the children of Israel, how they were promised the land, and they, they refused to possess the land as God had asked them to. They, they doubted God, and, and sometimes we doubt God in our lives. We, we don't want to take the step of faith because, well, that, that requires something of me, and God, I feel like you should do something for me. A lot of times we try and figure out what God is going to do for us before we say, okay, God, I'm willing. And a lot of times that comes from scars in our life. Anyone in here got some scars? I got some scars. Like up here, when I was younger, I was riding a lawnmower and I was standing up. It was one of those lawnmowers that is in the back, you know, uh, the engine was in the back and it had just the steering column up front. And I was standing in the trailer and whoever was driving it slammed on the brakes and I fell forward. And that scar tells the story of how when I landed, when I was standing up in the trailer on the riding mower and I fell on the engine and that little spinning thing up at the top, you know, where the, like burned my arm. It was, it was so bad. And then right under that, this one right here tells a story. It's real faint, but it tells a story of my anger issues. Um, I remember I was dating my wife. And her dad just, he hated me and uh, wouldn't let me talk to her and all these different things. And there's like a whole nother story and everything. I wasn't a great person, but I got mad. I was still in my mom's house and I, I got mad and there was like this, this lattice on the porch. And I went out there and I punched through that lattice and I got so mad. I got in my little Chevy Cobalt. And I was driving like 100 miles an hour down the road. I was so mad. And I'm like beating my steering wheel. And then I realized I got blood like everywhere. I was a really angry person. There's more scars. I have scars that tell you I had cancer when I was seven. I have a scar over here where they had the port. I have another scar where I was riding a four-wheeler and got a branch stuck in me. You know, not, not stuck in me, just really scratched me bad. Stucking, stuck into me is like over-excessive in my scar. It's not that. But... um. <laughs> Also, I've got some, like, I'm a nervous person. I, you know, I, I, I have anxiety sometimes, and it gets to me, and I, you know, out of habit, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm one of those skin peaker, pit pickers, <laughs> and uh, I've got scars on my hands that show the anxiety, and a lot of times in our lives, these scars tell a story somewhere on our body, but sometimes there's scars that are hidden inside that... Someone hurt you, someone wronged you, someone did something to you. And you're like, well, how does this, how does this tell the story of Calvary? And uh, I guess my thought today is that scars tell a story. Everyone has some type of scar and it tells a story. When you look at the scar, there's generally a story that goes along with it. I remember when I was a kid, that song, Chicks Dig It. You know, scars hurt, but only for a minute or something like that. Uh, something like that. It's like a kid. He's like jumping off the roof, you know, with a Superman cape. You know, I was like, that's really bad, you know, for kids to watch. But whatever. Um, and so <laughs> I don't know, like I think about that and scars tell a story. 
And the scars you bear on your life don't define the outcome of your story, of your life. What you have on the inside, the hurts and the pains, doesn't define you. The scars that you have on the outside of your body doesn't define you. But we come to this portion of scripture. We're kind of looking at the Old Testament today at first. The promise of a savior. In Isaiah 53, 1 through 7, it says, Who has believed what we have heard? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He didn't have an impressive form or majesty that we should look at him. No appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected of men, a man of suffering who knew what sickness was. He was like someone people turned away from. He was despised and we didn't value him. Yet he himself bore our sickness and carried our pains. But we in turn regarded him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. But he was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities. The punishment of our peace was upon him and we are healed by his wounds. We all went astray like sheep. We all have turned to our own way, and the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb led to the slaughter, and like a sheep silent before his, her shearers, he did not open his mouth. When I think about the promise of Jesus... And I think about the Messiah, and I can understand where like, the Jewish people are coming from when Jesus comes. It didn't come. He didn't come like they wanted him to. He, he came in a manger. He came, in a, he, he came lowly. He came as a, as, a, as a carpenter's son. And all these things, he didn't come as a, a knight with shining armor riding on the back of a white horse. That wasn't how he came. He came lowly. And, and the prophet Isaiah here is writing and giving the description of Jesus and how he would be rejected. He was given the description of how he would be, he would be pierced. He would have scars that tell our story. And the problem with the promise that I see is a lot of times when I look at it, it's like, well, God, that doesn't make sense. Why would you choose to do it this way? Like, why couldn't you just like come in and split the sky and just, you know, like, well, that'd be so much cooler. But he chose to do it this way because he loves us, because he cares about us. So this doesn't sound beautiful. And for many of you, your lives may not sound beautiful. I've got some stories that I can share with you. My life is not a beautiful life. Uh, I think a lot of times we have this perception at least I had a perception when I was younger that, oh, the, the preacher or, oh, the person in the church, like they were perfect, you know, like they, they lived this great life and all these things. And I got a past. I like, yeah, I wear a suit jacket, but I've got, I've got scars in my life, not that are visible, but scars that were afflicted in my life because of some of the decisions I made, some of the things that people did to me. And, and the story that I have is different from everyone else's story. Just as, as my story is different, your story is different. But those scars that Jesus had on his body tell our story. The scars that he took tell your story. 
It was his scars that took away you owning the story. Yeah, we make mistakes. Yes, I have to come to him in repentance. But his scars tell my story. In John 19, 31 through 37, it says, Since it was the preparation day, the Jews did not want the bodies to remain on the cross on the Sabbath. For the Sabbath was a special day. They requested that Pilate have the men's legs broken and their bodies taken away. So their soldiers came and broke the legs of the first man and the other who uh, the other one who had been crucified with him. When they came to Jesus, they did not break his legs since they saw that he was already dead. Before I go on to verse 34, one thing I want to like point out here is think about this. They were like, hey, the Sabbath is a special day for us. We go back to how when Jesus came, he came and he was like trying to change that religious mindset of the day. He was trying to change, hey, you know, you need to get out of all of these laws and things like that. And you need to have a relationship with me. He was trying to move into this relationship with people and and they rejected him and so here we come to this point here and they're like oh the sabbath is a special day you know those people that we hung up there if you could just go break their legs and end their lives a little faster how full of hate did these people have to be to be like oh you know what just just go break his legs so that he can't lift up and you know get the breath that he needs i think about this and it's just like mind-blowing what what Jesus was willing to sacrifice, what Jesus was willing to do on the cross so that I could have a relationship with him. And then verse 34, it says, but one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and at once blood and water came out. He who saw this has testified so that you may also believe his testimony is true. He knows he is telling the truth. Verse 36 says, for these things happen so that the scripture would be filled. Not one of his bones will be broken. Also, another scripture says they will look at the one they pierced. The scars of Jesus tell your story. Every time we made mistakes in our lives, it was it was the scars in his hands. The, as the nails went through his, his hands that, that tell the story of my life. When the spear posted, uh, uh, struck his side, like that's, that, that piercing of his side tells my story of the, of the drugs and the alcohol and the life that I lived. The, the struggles that I had, all those things. He took that for my story. He took it for your story. The piercing of his hands and his feet. The, the spear pierced side was so that your story doesn't have to define you. Your story doesn't have to keep you oppressed. Your story doesn't have to hold you down. But that you can have life and have it more abundantly. His scars bear your life. They bear your history. That his marks that should divine death do not. His marks define life that I get to live. The marks that Jesus took define that I can have a life and have it more abundantly. His marks are what give new life. I don't have to remain broken. I don't have to remain a mess. I can go to Jesus and he can change me. The scars Jesus took were for me. I, uh, I don't know. There's something about it when I think about what Jesus did on Calvary, what he 
what he did for my life and and how like I am so unworthy to be able to do something for God. But then I go back and I start looking through the Bible and I look at all of the imperfect people that he used. And I go back to when I was a kid and I thought about how perfect the preacher had to be and how perfect you know his family had to be and if you go to church oh you've got to be perfect you got to have everything just right and I go back and I'm looking at all these people that you know that God uses and I'm like wow like he used an entire people that rejected his promise he, he used he used people who who said I, I'm the weakest but he's like no Go in the strength that you have. And, and I look at all these people, the blind man, the, the woman with the issue of blood and in the New Testament that Jesus heals. And, and I look at this and I'm like, wow, he chose disciples that were just dirty fishermen. Like I've gone fishing before and it doesn't take long digging around in the worms thing to have like mud and junk underneath your fingernails. It doesn't take long to start smelling like fish after you've been out there for a while. I don't like to fish. Like I would, I like the concept and the idea of fishing. I like catching fish, but the waiting, Lord Jesus, like I just like I cannot hang unless I'm with someone and can talk to them. But then sometimes I go fishing and people are like, "Well, you gotta be quiet. The fish can hear you." <sighs> I can't be quiet, okay? <laughs> like I don't have a lot of self control, okay? Sometimes I just kind of lose it. And when I'm out there fishing and people are like, oh, you need to be quiet. I'm like, you need to go find a different fishing partner. <laughs> so if any of you want to go fishing and you don't want to, and you don't want to listen to me talk, don't take me. <laughs> okay. Don't be like, hey, I want to be nice and take you and then tell me to be quiet. Chris, <laughs> you never took me to go fishing. <laughs> you said we were going ice fishing. <laughs> we never went. <sighs> oh, must have been COVID. <laughs> I'll just go ahead and blame that. He said we were going to go sit out on buckets. <laughs> we never did. <laughs> He's like, you'll grow a beard real fast. <laughs> uh, I get to claim the scars because without his scars, I couldn't be here today. Without Jesus saying, I'm going to sacrifice my life for the sins of the world, I couldn't be here today. I couldn't do what I'm doing here today. It says that we are born with shaping in iniquity, that we're born in sin. So when I'm born, like, I'm just, I'm just born into it. Thanks, Adam and Eve, like, for messing up, you know, my ability just to have a relationship with God. You're like, oh, I want to eat the knowledge of the fruit of good and evil. Or, yeah, I think that's what it was. Whatever. You know, he, they're like, I want, I want to eat that. I want to do. I want to self-satisfy. I want to fill myself. And a lot of times we seek to fill ourselves. What makes me happy? What makes me feel good? Versus what causes change. Change brings resistance. You watch that video up there about the gym. And uh, I think about it when I was in the army. You had to do push-ups. Now it's been a while since I've been in there. But I can feel the resistance. Oh, my inertia is great today. Oh, Lord. And uh, even doing, those, doing those, those jumping jacks yesterday, you know how many times I had to take that part? Oh, Lord. But anytime you want change, there causes resistance. You want bigger biceps. You want more definition. You have got to work out. You have got to get in the gym. You've got to do some things, right? Like you want to be a better hockey player, right? 
So you got to practice, right? It doesn't just happen. You're like, you know what, Mom? I want to be a good hockey player. And she says, okay, good. Next year you go and you play hockey and you didn't practice at all? Oh, Lord. Bring someone later. <laughs> and the same thing is with our walk with God. I want to have a relationship with God. I like the idea, but you know what? Like, I like to hold on to my past. I like to hold on to my hurt. I like to hold on to my pain. Like, I like to hold on to those things. Why is that? Like, man, I'm telling you, I've got church hurt. I've got life hurt. I've got friend hurt. I've got all the hurts. And I keep finding the more that I give it to God, the more that I give him my mess, the more that he takes and changes my life. So, like, you get to give him all the brokenness and all the junk, and he gets to turn around and give you new life. Like, that's a win-win for me. Like, I get rid of my junk, and I get a new life. I'm happier now in my life than I have ever been. I lived a life, drugs, alcohol. I took them. I used them. I sold them. It didn't matter. And then, here I go. Now, standing in front of you, and you're like, wow, guy is crazy. I know I am. Like, but I look, about, I look at what God did in my life, and how can I not get a little bit crazy? I'm so thankful for what he could do for me. Yes, I went through some hard times, but he's always been with me. Without the scars, I can't have new life. Without those scars and the finished work of Calvary, I could not have a relationship with my God. You know what happened? One of the coolest portions of the Easter story is when Jesus dies. And you're like, why is the coolest portion of the Easter story when Jesus dies? I thought it was the resurrection. Yes, that is also super awesome uh, and, and much required. But the part when he dies, the veil in the temple is torn in two. So the veil separated, imagine this, like here's this area that one person got to go into like once a year. And here's where everyone else is, okay? When that veil was torn, it, it ruined, it ended that separation of where the spirit of God would be. And now it's where we are. So it took away that need for the high priest to go to someone and confess your sins. Like the Bible says to confess your sins one to another. It doesn't say like, come to me. I don't want to know all your sins. Like if you're struggling with something, I'll help you as best I can. But you don't have to come confess your sins to me. Confess them to Jesus. He's the one who took them for you. Like you can do that prayer anytime. God, forgive me of my sins. I'm sorry. We can pray that anytime. That's the coolest part. I think whenever it's torn and... Bam, the veil is torn in two. It's the signifying of now I can have a one-on-one -on -one relationship with Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. So in Luke 24, 1 through 12, it says, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. They went in but did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men stood before them in dazzling clothes. So the women were terrified and bound down to the ground. So I didn't realize this before. But when you go back to the tabernacle in the wilderness and, and the temple and all that stuff, 
there was the holiest of holies, right? And in the holiest of holies was the Ark of the Covenant. And on the Ark of the Covenant was two angels. And that was the mercy seat of God. And here you have the, uh, you have the place where Jesus was laid in his death. And you have this miraculous thing happen. The stone rolled away. Jesus is gone. And there's two angels. It's almost as if like we see the mercy seat of God right here. Because I need mercy in my life. But he's like not there anymore. And it's like a signifying of how I can have a relationship and how I can have mercy in my life. Like, I don't deserve to be forgiven. I, I, there, I did some terrible things as a young person. I don't deserve to be forgiven, but, but Jesus loves and he forgave me. I'm so thankful for that. So these two men, these two uh, angels, they say, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Asked the men. He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, It is necessary that the Son of Man be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, be crucified and rise the third day. And they remembered his words. So here we are. We're on Resurrection Sunday. This is the part we were looking for. This is why we came to church to hear about Jesus rising again on Easter Sunday. It's like we can, we've been to church so many times on Easter. We should all know this story. Like I should be able to preach anything, right, on Easter Sunday. But we're like... I celebrate the resurrection of Jesus every day in my relationship with him because without like, I, why are we picking one day to celebrate the resurrection? I get to celebrate every day because I have a new life. Like I know what it's like to come out of the grave. I know what it's like to come out of and, and see Jesus change my life and, and make me what he needs me to be. So returning from the tomb, they reported all these things to the 11 and to all the rest, Mary Magdalene, uh, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other woman with them were telling the apostles these things. But these words seemed like nonsense to them, and they did not believe the women. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. When he stooped, stooped to look in, he saw only the linen cloth. So he went away amazed at what happened. So one thing that I think is really cool is when you look at who, uh, who is used here to go and tell the disciples that Jesus has risen again. Like, they, they could, God, God could have chose to reveal it to uh, the disciples, but yet he chose to use Mary Magdalene, who was the one that Jesus had cast, I think it was seven demons out of. And when I look at that, I was like, whoa. Well, that just like throws out the whole mindset of like, um, I have to be a man to do something for God. Um, I have to be perfect to do something for God. Listen, if you got seven demons in you, there is no way you were living a perfect life. Um, he cast out seven demons out of Mary Magdalene, and she's the one who's telling the disciples Jesus rose again. She gets to tell the good news that Jesus is alive. Think about that for a minute. Like, how many of you got a messed up life? I do. I'm the only messed up life in here. Man. <laughs> Thanks, Alicia. <laughs> we got some messed up people in here. It's okay. I know everybody's messed up. If you're not messed up, like, good for you. But, you know, give yourself a hand clap. Because, like, I'll tell you what, like, 
<laughs> I have been messed up for a long time in my life. And I'm so thankful that, that, that God would, that he would robe himself in flesh and walk among us so that he could die on a cross for me. Like, like an all-knowing God can look into the future and know that Zach Pretty is going to be a jerk, that Zach Pretty is going to be abusive to his sister, that, that Zach Pretty is going to get into drugs and alcohol, that Zach Pretty is going to do a, a lot of dumb things and be like, you know what? He's still worth it. I'm still willing to take the scars for the potential that he will love me. He did it without knowing that you would follow him. He was willing to do it so that you could have an opportunity to have a relationship with him. Those scars tell the story of the victory of death, hell, and the grave. Because of what Jesus did, he overcame death, hell, and the grave. He overcame the world so that I don't have to worry. That I don't have to have anxiety about what's going to come tomorrow. But that I can have faith in him to know that the scars that Jesus carried declares my victory that I get to have. The victory in life is, is caused by the process that Jesus went through to have the scars to tell your story. Jesus was living, then he was dead, but there was a process in between. And the same for us to come from death to life requires a process. And the process is those scars on your life, they'll always be there to tell the story. But you can take the broken pieces, all of the messed up things in your life, you can take them and you can lay them before the feet of God. And he can begin to put you back together again. And what you thought was of no use and what you thought was, was no good and that was junk and that no one could love, that no one could ever accept. I'm, I'm just used. I've got all this baggage that I've got to carry. I've got all this weight and sin and, and all these things in my life. God's like, no, it's okay. Let me piece it back together. Let me make it better than what it was when it was new. Let me give you this gift back to you. He's got a gift for you. As they were saying these things in verse 36, he himself stood in the midst. He said to them, peace to you. But they were startled and terrified, thought they were seeing a ghost. Why are you troubled? He asked them. And why do you doubt? Why do you, uh, why do doubts arise in your heart? Look at my hands and my feet. That is, I myself touch me and see because a ghost does not have flesh and bones. As you can see, I have. Having said this, he showed him his hands and feet. But while they still were amazed in disbelief because of their, their joy, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish. I thought, of, I thought about this. Like, Jesus was dead for three days. And the first thing they give him is a piece of broiled fish. I don't know about you, but broiled fish just does not hit the spot like if I was, well, I guess, you know, I don't know, whatever. I, if I was Jesus, I'd be like, can I get a cheeseburger? <laughs> Come on, you got something better here? Like, you know, after funerals, there's always, there's always decent food, at least some sandwiches and, you know, some chips and some potato salad and maybe some ham. And I guess it probably wouldn't be ham then. Like, they were Jewish, so they wouldn't eat ham. But, uh, you know, they eat lamb, I guess, you know. Um, <laughs> and so here he come, and he got the broiled fish. And I was just like, man. Well, he ate it in their presence. And he told them, these are my wounds. 
that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me is in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their mind to understand the scripture. He also said to them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead the third day and repentance for forgiveness of sin will be proclaimed in the name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And look, I am sending you what my father promised. As for you, stay in the city until you are empowered from on high. Jesus was just letting them know, I'm not done yet. You know, we, we get excited about Easter. We get excited about the resurrection. That's cool. But there is more to the story. There's more. And, 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 and I want to focus on that next week. But I want to lead you up to that this week. That part where he's like, wait in the city until you're empowered from on high. I want to be empowered. I want to have the... Jesus, I want the power that was that you were talking. I want the comforter in my life. I should have brought my blanket today. I just got one of those weighted blankets to see if it would help me sleep. And it like is supposed to keep you cool too. And it's doing an okay job. But it's kind of, it's like 35 pounds. A blanket, 35 pounds. It's not like 35, it's a whole thing weighs 35 pounds. But I should have brought that. And it's kind of nice actually. You like wrap it around you, and boy, it's just kind of like hold you on in bed you know it's kind of great actually it's like someone's giving me a hug all night you know <laughs> um and so th this blanket it kind of brings some comfort like you got a special blanket that maybe grandma made you or 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 you got a blanket that you, you had when you were a baby i still have my baby blanket and some of those things like they just bring comfort right my wife loves soft blankets those soft fuzzy ones like she loves the soft fuzzy blankets. She just bought this pillow. It's this huge pillow. And, and she loves it as soft and fuzzy and stuff. And that like brings her comfort is those types of things. And, and my dogs too. They love soft fuzzy blankets. And I think about this like the comforting power of the blanket. And then I think about Jesus being like, wait until you be endued with power from on high. I'm going to send a comforter to you. And, and I know the comforter is not a blanket, but when you just go ahead and like, okay, we call them comforters now, they kind of comfort. And I think about that, that power is the power to have comfort in your life is the power. And I do not mean that you come in and you have a relationship with Jesus and man, all your life is perfect and, and everything. I didn't, I am, that is a lie. If anyone's ever told you, if you have a relationship with God, it's going to be, it's going to be the best thing that's ever happened to you, but it's not going to solve all your problems. There's still going to be things that you have to work through. There's still going to be things in your life that you have got to process and work through. But he still loves you, and he's got a comforter for you. So don't end with the resurrection of Jesus. Wait to be endued with power. Jesus was making a transition at this point. And we see that he ascends up to heaven and, and people, it says in verse 30, 53, it says, and they were continually in the temple praising God. They were excited uh, about, um, about what God is, is doing. They were, they were excited about what was going to come, the comforter. But you know what Jesus didn't do? He didn't explain what the comforter was going to feel like. He didn't explain what the comforter was going to look like or sound like. 
or any of those things. He just said, go and wait. But they were excited about that. I feel like we should be excited about what God is going to do. Like, I should wait. Jesus was making a transition here. He wanted, he, they wanted him with them. We would love it if Jesus walked the earth today. But you know what? He walked the earth 2,000 years ago and they rejected him. And I feel like in that day, there should have been more people except him. I can tell you today that there would be probably even more people that would reject Jesus if he walked the earth today. Because like so many times we're like, oh, that can't be real. Oh, that's weird. You know, like, what is, what does the news tell me this is? You know, like, we, we don't, we, 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 it's okay to fact check things. And I tell people, fact check me all the time. If you can find what I'm preaching is not in the Bible, then let me know because I only want to preach what's in the Bible. <laughs> and so I, I think about this and, and Jesus, he chose to walk the earth that day and, 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 and all of this stuff that, that culminates to the end. I want the comforter in my life. And I, I'm here to tell you today, no matter who you are, where you are, if you're here, if you're online, it doesn't matter where you are at in your life. It doesn't matter the scars. It doesn't matter the history of your life and all of these things. If you've, if you've made all the right decisions, because I know that there is no person that's made all the right decisions. The only person that made all the right decisions was Jesus and they crucified him. So I know there's no perfect people here today because we are not crucifying you. <laughs> so I want to say that in your messed up life, it's okay. You'd be like, well, I have a great life. Good. It can be better with Jesus. Like, well, I, you know, I, I don't really have the time right now to have a relationship with Jesus. You see, my career is going real good and all those things. I, I know. But you know what? He's coming back one day for his bride. You know, and, and I want to be ready. I want to be part of the bridegroom uh, that, that, that goes and makes it to heaven. Like, I, I want to be part of that. I want to be part of the, the chosen people. I, I want to be part of that. And so I'm willing to sacrifice some of my time so that I can have a relationship with Jesus. And the more that I do that, the more that I pray, the more that I read my, my Bible. And, and yeah, I mess up and I don't read my Bible every day. And, and yeah, I mess up and I don't pray every day. I try to get most days in there. But I make mistakes, just like everyone else. I'm not perfect. And I just want to tell you that if you've been struggling with some things in your life and, and you feel that, oh, you know, I can't, I can't have this relationship that you're talking about, you absolutely can. It, it just takes a step. It just takes one step. God's not done with you. The comforter is still for you. And I know that the comforter is here today. That no matter what you're going through in your life, that, that God can touch you, that God can move in your life. I know the healer is here today. I know the one that, that can touch those scars in your life, that can take those broken pieces and put them back together for you in your life. I know that the one who holds all victory is here today. But the other thing I know about the one who holds victory. He will not force himself on anyone. 
we have to be willing to say, God, I need you. Like, can you take my messed up life and turn it into something great? Can you turn it into something just okay? Like, help me out, God. I've, I've messed up. There's so much power in the name of Jesus that when we call on that name, he hears us. You're like, but everybody today is calling on the name of Jesus. How is he going to listen to me? He's God. He can do everything. He created us. I'm going to believe that he can touch us and move in our lives. I'm going to believe that he can hear me, that he loves me, that he cares about me. I've experienced plenty of things in my life to know that there's no one like my God. Before we move into communion, I want us to take a few moments to make sure that our life is where it needs to be. One scripture that I want to read to you. It says in 1 Corinthians 11, it says, So then whoever eats of the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sin against the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself in this way. Let him eat the bread and drink from the cup. For whoever eats and drinks without recognizing the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is why many are sick and ill among you and many have fallen asleep. So I want to take some time where we can each pray, God, forgive me of anything that's in my life that may be there. God, touch me. So I'm going to play a song, and at the end of that song, I'm going to have some people help me, and we'll pass out the communion, and uh, we'll do the rest here. But I just want you to take a moment now and just reflect on your life and, and just make sure to examine your life. Are you where you need to be? What is it, God, that I need changed in my life? God, I pray that your presence would sweep across this place right now, that you would touch God.
your gluten-free and it tastes better than the wafer that comes in package. Um, so you can take one or you can take both, doesn't matter. Um, this also has a little wafer in it. Um, and so as you, uh, as, as we pass that out, you know, take one. If you want the gluten-free, you can certainly have it, even if you're not gluten-free. It's really, it's uh, way better than the other. <laughs> so I recommend, <laughs> I highly recommend the gluten-free communion. <laughs> um, I remember last year when we were doing this, and we were at home, and I had told people, I had, last year I drove around and delivered communion to anyone that wanted it and uh, gave, um, brought the little cups and stuff to people's houses and, you know, uh, so that they could, you know, take, be in part of it with us while they were online. And I look back and where we've made it to today, one year later, boy, I'm so thankful that we are together today. Um, and so as we do this, I don't know, communion is always a special thing to me. And last year, um, I messed it up. I, I said drink first and then eat the bread. And it was because I read the wrong scriptures. But, you know, here's my redemption for last year, I guess. Um, but here we go, the bread. He was broken for us as he hung on the cross for us. And in verse 23 of 1 Corinthians 11, it says, For I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. As you take this bread today, I just pray that you would let it be as a remembrance of what he did on Calvary for each of us. God, I thank you for what you did on Calvary. God, what you did for us. And then the blood that was shed on Calvary was for us. In verse 25, it says, In the same way, also he took the cup after the supper and said, The cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you to drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Go ahead and take the drink and remember what he did on Calvary for you. And now can you just lift your hands all across this place and thank him. God, we thank you for what you did on Calvary. God, we thank you for the blood that was shed. We thank you, God, that you tore the veil in the temple. God, that we could have a relationship with you. God, that there was nothing between us, nothing dividing us, God. I thank you for meeting us here today, God, and washing us in your presence, God. God, I worship you and I praise you, God. I thank you, God, for the scars that you carried on your body, God, so that I could have a new life, God. God, so that I could share your message of hope, God, your message of new life, God. God, I thank you for what you did in this service today, God. I just pray that you would overshadow us, God, that you would move in our lives, God, as we go forward. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have any questions or anything like that, I want to take time and, and answer anything. If you have any questions about the message or about communion or, or anything, fire away. And uh, I'll be back in the back because I guess the kids have some little gifts that we're going to 
give to all the kids and stuff for, for today. But remember, the greatest thing today is celebrating our risen Savior and that there is more to life than just living. It's all found in him. It's all in him. Thankful for the old rugged cross. But I serve a God that there's an empty tomb. You can go around and you can Google the tomb of Muhammad and the, the tomb of uh, the Buddha. He was cremated and you can find the tomb of Muhammad. But you know what? The tomb of Jesus is empty. I'm thankful for that. God, I pray that you would move in our lives. God, that you would keep us through this day today, God. I pray that you would strengthen us and, and keep us today, God. I worship you and I magnify you, God. I pray that you would bless each and every one of these families, God. I pray that you would move in their lives, God, throughout this year, God, that you would continue to touch them and move in them. In Jesus' name, amen. You are dismissed. Thank you for being here today. Oh, and there's coffee and pictures. Don't forget that. We got a cool Polaroid camera, so you got to get one of those pictures.